Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. Do you have students that are inattentive, maybe distractible, or, and maybe full of energy, but you still need to meet your curriculum standards. You still need to gain their attention. And if only they can hold their attention long enough for you to be able to teach the major concepts that you have prepared so hard for. Well, we may have discovered something here. And I'm with Dr. Julian Reed, and he is the creator of Walkabouts. Walkabouts is a very interesting program that incorporates lessons that are designed to last about seven to 10 minutes. And what it is, is that there's an avatar that involves the students and children at home with the learning process. So he's here to tell you about why this all started, what it really does. And you know what I really like about it? Is that he's got research that shows that even when the activity is done and the lesson is over, some of those skills and the ability to maintain attention has proven to be longer, which means that they are generalizing some of the skills that they are looking to build. So I really thought that you would enjoy listening and learning a bit more about Walkabout. So welcome, Dr. Reed. Thank you, Lisa. It's nice to be here. So tell us a bit about Walkabouts. Well, Walkabouts is a platform, as like you said, uses movement to teach core standards in math, language arts, literacy, social studies, and science, the things teachers have to teach already, but we do it with movement. Therefore, a teacher can teach what they're already teaching, but engaging the kids in movement. And movement is something that most elementary age kids really like to do. So it's a great way to get kids up and moving that not only they're learning, they're improving their health, they're improving their cognition, and they're improving their focus. Right. So tell us about the format. What does it look like in the classroom? Yeah, so it's real simple. It, if you can check your email, you can log into our platform. No software to download. It's all in the cloud. It was designed for full class movement. Therefore, if you have a smart board or Promethean board or just projector, you log in and it asks you, hey, what do you, what grade are you teaching? What content are you teaching? What standard are you teaching? And then it brings up a walkabout. And our walkabouts, we have two characters. We have a boy character named Jax. We have a girl character named Gia. And then we have a city environment and then a park environment. And depending on what the teacher wants to teach at that particular time, uh, will determine where the lesson is. It changes every time you play it. And so the avatar takes these kids, as you mentioned, on these seven to 10 minute adventures and based on the movement tells the teacher if they're getting the concepts or not. So 
For example, we have a lesson on long and short vowel sounds. And here we show a word and we say the word and we ask the kids to reach up for a long vowel sound and squat down low for a short vowel sound. Well, right away, we're trying to put that content into a context, right? Long, we're reaching up. Short, we're squatting down. So the kids follow our avatar, do those movements, and right away, you have a formative assessment for that teacher to better understand who's getting the concept and who's not getting the concept. And what is unique, you can go play that same walkabout again, and the words change. Just like if you had a math walkabout, the numbers would change. So it's truly a dynamic platform. As you already mentioned, it's research-based, evidence-based, and movement is like what kids want to do, typically elementary age kids. So we thought, hey, we need to find a way to marry this movement with this core curricula so no instruction time is lost. So I understand what you mean about the full class environment. I have a couple of questions in regards to that. Is it possible to have the um, the program on computers just for yeah, a small group? Yeah, absolutely. So we have some people use it as a station, as a computer, headphones, and they're doing it that way. It works on all devices. So it can be on an iPad, can be on an iPhone, can be on Android. So we designed it initially for, you know, for all class, but we also knew, as I mentioned early on in our pre-conversation, my wife's a classroom teacher. She has stations in her in her classroom where there's headphones. And so kids can go over there and and do the walkabouts as well. Or if you even had a uh, a computer room, if you will, and people can log in, those kids can log into their own accounts and do that individually. They also get access at home. And so since kids often have devices at home where their parents do, they can just do it on their computer or on their tablet. And what do you think the teacher's role should be, let's say, during a full class instruction on this? Yeah, so it varies. You know, some teachers actually do the movements with their kids because they want to get some of that activity. But oftentimes we have a, a simple assessment built in where teachers are really just trying to get an idea of who gets this concept, who doesn't, and then can use it also as review. So some teachers we have found use it to introduce a concept. Some teachers use it at the end of maybe teaching a different modality. And then some use it, you know, in the middle, depending on their ability, their cognitive ability of, of their students. We designed it in a way where you can use it for a variety of different methods, where the, whether it's review or introduction, we have a lot of experts who write the pedagogy for us. I'm in charge of the movements, but we have experts who've written books in math and language arts to make sure we're, you know, we're presenting this in a sound way and we're following a sound progression. So often teachers are either participating or really kind of watching to see who's getting the concepts and who's not. And that way they can follow up with those particular children, either in the classroom or, or at home. They can send a message through our system. Hey, mom and dad, Julian needs some help with long and short vowel sounds. Why don't you play this walkabout with him tonight? I'm wondering if within your team of experts, if you have a special educator or related service providers. Okay, that's a great, great question. So initially, you know, we thought about um, special education 
Um, and it is used in a lot of courses, classes we found, but obviously there's a lot of requirements related uh, to ADA. So we're not necessarily a certified provider uh, to meet those standards. However, we have found a lot of the special ed teachers uh, have reached out to us and say, hey, we use this and our kids love it. Tell me about the, the simple assessments. What do they look like? What do they entail? Yeah, so the, the assessments are really, you know, you have your kid, you have your list of names, and we have two options with our assessments. It's it's really the same assessment, but two different ways to do it. One way is a split screen where you're playing the walkabout on the board, but you are attached to your computer. And part of that is we know some principals don't want uh, their teachers to have their desktop always projecting just in case something sensitive comes across. So in this case, the assessment is on the computer, but the Promethean board is playing the actual walkabout because you've set up your split screen option in, in your settings. And it's really just a list. You got your kids' names and we have met standard needs assistant comments. And so therefore it's a quick checklist. We're not trying to get too complex because it's seven to 10 minutes, but within that assessment, there's also a box email parents. So you can click, hey, needs uh, help, type in a few notes, and that will then go home um, to the guardian or, or mom or dad. The other option is that same assessment, but we have an option where you set, send link to email and that same assessment then comes up on your phone or a tablet and enables you to walk around the room and you can do it that way. Wow. So we just wanted to provide freedom. It's the same assessment, but some teachers want to be mobile as they're, the yeah. kids are doing the activity and others just kind of stay at their desk with their desktop computer and do it that way. Sounds very comprehensive and user-friendly too. Yeah, very. That was our one of our most important things as my wife being a, a teacher. We know the continuum of technology levels varies among among teachers. So for vary. us, for us was hey, if you you already, I don't think you can teach in the public school system or really anywhere without an email these days. So that was our test. If you can check your email, you can log in and uh, play a walkabout. And I have some thoughts too, Dr. Reed. You know, we have children, not only the adults have varying abilities, right? But obviously the kids do too. So when you're in the full group, I would suggest that even the educators in their own classrooms, if there are some students who um, maybe aren't as reacting as quickly, but they might know the information, they just need a little more processing time or they just get so nervous because, you know, so many children, they compare themselves to others. So they might be thinking, that one, that that's the athlete. That's the one, that kid always gets it right. And, and so much thinking about everyone else rather than him or herself that they're not in, engaged as much in what they can do because they're thinking too much of what they might not be able to do. So I think that kind of lends itself to a little bit of a management. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and so that's, also why we have varying speeds too with with the walkabout so we have our default speed but you all we also have slower and we have faster and that's for just we all teach different we all have different pedagogies um you can pause a walkabout at any time every time you play it it's different right so you could go back and you get different content but having that speed change enables the teacher 
to pick select a speed that everyone can be accommodative to to ensure that those right because some people are they understand it but it's taking a longer time to process mm -hmm. but we do know that physical activity actually increases processing speed which we know is a really important co uh, component uh, of learning so you there are variability in which you are able to choose how you want to play that walkabout whether it's fast you know the traditional way we designed it or you can slow it down um, but that way, it does provide an opportunity for those kids who might be more thinkers, do not necessarily not be, they're able to participate at the same level as someone might necessarily uh, grasp it either faster or just react to it quicker. It's not that they are any smarter than the child who needs a little bit more time. It's just we all learn a little bit differently. So in that case, that's where maybe the stations or uh, we call them centers or just even they everyone could be doing it at the same time. But I know a lot of schools have given out laptops now so they can do it with laptop tops at their desks. Absolutely. Or their Chromebook. Right. No doubt. Right. You could do it. Like, you could do it that way. Yeah. And that provides that individual um, uh, individual ability for each student to be learning at their own pace. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that physical activity and increased processing speed. Yeah. So, I mean, we we know with the executive function hypothesis, right? And you mentioned adults. I mean, this really started in the field of gerontology in the 60s, and it just made its way down through adults and then, you know, to children. And we now have a lot of evidence that physical activity pushes off dementia and can maybe even be able to treat early onset uh, of Alzheimer's. But when we look at cognition, there's really three things, right? We have our general intelligence, which is broken up into fluid intelligence, processing speed, and working memory capacity. All of those correlate highly with executive functions. So if physical activity leads to structural changes in that prefrontal cortex, it's going to improve that fluid intelligence, it's going to improve that working memory, and then it's going to improve that processing speed. And it is important that to understand processing is a part of learning and your ability to process and identify correct versus incorrect um, is a part of an important part of learning and cognition. And the research is pretty clear that physical activity helps to improve uh, processing speed as well as some of those other uh, constructs I mentioned. Is there a sweet spot in terms of age when to really start introducing physical activity for the purpose of increasing processing speed? It's a great question. I'm not a neuroscientist, but I would suspect there's no downside of engaging in physical activity at, at any age, right? The first thing we do when we're born is we move. So I would think with that, you know, when you go from that sensory motor to that perceptual motor, mm -hmm. and we go back to our days of Piaget, right? Zero to two is that sensory motor, and then it turned into perceptual motor. And, and that perceptual motor is just the interpretation of sensation. So it happens very early. I say as an educator that this is something that we really want to look into, um, especially for our students who are... Um, somewhat distractible. And listen, after COVID, so many kids had interrupted learning that even if their processing speed was developing right on target and developmentally uh, appropriate, doesn't mean that they can't benefit from engaging the physical activity. However, 
let's talk about that pink elephant. And sometimes when we have kids move around, let's face it, it can become a behavior management issue. They don't always know the boundaries. And that that is true. I mean, and we we do talk, uh, and when we talk to some of our teachers and they'll have some of those potential concerns, I mean, I think it's reasonable to uh, to understand that, yeah, you're getting kids moving. They might be more likely um, to, uh, if you will, get a little more excited than they would normally just sitting at their at their desk. But what we have learned from teachers is teachers really early on set the, uh, you know, set up the, the what they're expecting. They're like, hey, we're going to have a walkabout. And as we know, this is going to create movement, but you're going to be right next to your desk. You're going to use your own self space. And although it's counterintuitive, we know the research says that movement really is important for self-regulation and does improve academic engagement. I think a lot of time it's just how you present it and ensuring that here, these are the expectations. The way we also play our uh, walkabouts, all of our walkabouts start with a little 30 second jingle. And it's really to remind the kids, hey, you're going to get up, you're going to start moving and you got this 30 seconds to kind of get your body situated and then the heart of the lesson uh, will start. Are there times when there are some kids who might be a little too energetic? Sure, but that's like in any uh, situation, regardless if you're using movement or not, it's really setting the expectations. And then oftentimes the kids are so excited to follow our avatars because we've done this all in motion capture 3D. So the graphics are really good. And so they're following our avatars that they're not even thinking about you know, being unresponsive, they're just so excited to be moving as they're learning something. Absolutely. And I think you really were very clear about that, as should educators, if we're going to use a program like this and really use walkabouts, because setting very clear expectations and even allowing the students an opportunity to practice what it is that is expected of them could help to provide that structure that they need in order to learn from such a program. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just making sure everyone's clear. But I mean, we've observed this with, you know, three-year-olds and four-year-olds, and they're just really engaged and really enjoy it. Um, and so we have we have found that, yes, there's always an opportunity for enhanced distraction. But I think you can have that with almost any content, as long as you're setting the expectations. But our our lessons are, are so engaging. Most of the time, those kids just want to follow um, Jax or Gia on this adventure. You know, Dr. Reed, we really always love to hear the why within my guests and, you know, how did they get to where they are right now? And it'd be interesting. Sometimes I have guests back and where, where have they been, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. can you share with us, how did this all begin? Give us your why. Yeah, so I I I was a <laughs> I was a destructive student in the bad way, uh, in the sense I, I wasn't like a bad kid or anything like that. But I I got in trouble. There are no time. bad children. There's exactly. poor choices. <laughs> That's right. Well, I I just needed to move all the time, and I, and I was that way. I'm that way as an adult. You know, I have a treadmill desk, standing desk, and so I learn kinesthetically, and I I need to learn by doing. And as I went into education um, and during not only my, you know, formative years, but even through my graduate, um, my graduate years and going into classrooms, I see a lot of kids who 
who were moving, but they were almost being punished for moving and recognizing that we all learn differently. And, and then taking, although it's anecdotal, my experience of always being told to sit down, that wasn't necessarily the best thing for me. And I was often, you know, labeled this hyperactive kid. So I was always been interested in this, even before I knew there was any science behind it. But then as I got uh, older and really better understood, hey, what's happening in the brain and how learning is truly multisensory, I started to really delve deeper into this. And then I realized, you know, hey, kids aren't moving as much because ultimately I'm a health scientist. How do we get more movement in school? Well, we can't just ask teachers to get kids moving if it loses instruction time. Well, then you start looking at the research and movement is one of the oldest forms of teaching. As I mentioned earlier, it's one of the first things we, we do when we're born. So it really lends itself to learning. And then I just got really excited about, hey, we're going to get kids healthier, but we're also going to improve their cognition. We're going to improve their behavior management. As we talked you know, prior to, our platform is evidence-based. Researchers at Iowa State University and University of California looked at our platform and not only did it improve academic performance among kids who got the walkabouts intervention, it improved their academic engagement after the walkabout, which we know is really important. And this was all evidence compared to control students who didn't get the walkabouts platform. So, I mean, I think I started early on always really being active, but then I think as I got older, I realized, hey, there are kids like me who need different ways to learn. And then when you start thinking about also childhood obesity, kids not moving as much, this was a great opportunity to not only improve health, but also improve their learning experiences. Sure, it keeps expanding its wings, right? Yeah, right. And there's no doubt, exactly that. It keeps expanding and finding different applications. And I believe I read somewhere that um, it's approximately after eight weeks that there's been some um, change and some data that's yeah, that's what they have found in, in, in the study. That was a, It was really a short uh, intervention. And as little as eight weeks, they were able to demonstrate the cognitive performance enhancements, decrease in the hyperactivity, and increase in that academic engagement. So it doesn't take a long time of using our platform. And we're not even suggesting you have to use it every single day. You know, a lot of our teachers use it you know, once or twice a week, and then some do use it every day, but it's giving those kids an opportunity to move as they learn and they get access at school and they get access at home, but no instruction time is lost. And that is something we really want to let everyone to understand is it's not just an add-on. Mm -hmm. You're already teaching these standards. Our system also knows what state you're in. Therefore, it pulls your specific state standards. And therefore, you can show your principal or you can show your supervisor, hey, I'm meeting what I'm supposed to be meeting. I'm doing it with physical activity. And look how fun these kids are having as they move around and learn. For all 50 states? All 50 states, different yeah. countries. Um, we got walkabouts all over the world. Yeah, that's fantastic. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you think our listeners need to know about? No, if you, if you want more information, you can just go to walkabouts.com. Um, and you can reach out to, to us. There's a contact there. You can go there and get a free trial, um, you know, a 30 day free trial. Um, you know, we want uh, people to use it. We want our kids to be active. And after 30 days, you, you decide, Hey, this is great for my school or my district or my center. 
um, were very affordable. Um, it's less, it's less than a thousand dollars for per school building for every per school kid. building. Yeah, for every kid in the school, every teacher in the school, and that's for twelve months. So it's unlimited use as much as you want for that year at home and at school and in the summer, because we know sometimes kids need to be. Uh, remediation is a great opportunity in the summertime as well. Fantastic. Dr. Reed, thank you very much for sharing your information, for uh, really keeping in mind the way to integrate physical activity along with the improvements that, the many improvements that come along with consistent engagement within the classroom, especially when it comes to uh, physical activity. So thank you for joining us for our Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast. And if you're listening with us right now, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Make it a great day, everyone. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout-out on social media.